The word of our Lord from the epistle to the Hebrews says, The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. We can, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so as for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he is called by God just as Aaron was. And so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was God who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. The Hebrews writer takes cheap shots, you'll notice. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have become, come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word. Bless it to our hearts. Bless it to our minds. Bless it to the totality of our lives and help us to live in pursuit of you according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we hit the road and go on a journey together, 
it would be good of us and wise of us to address a few basic questions this morning. Questions that are basic to life, questions that are basic to the walk of faith, the lives that we're called to live in Christ as we pursue Him. And the first question that is sometimes the most obvious and interestingly enough, sometimes the most obvious questions are assumed and overlooked is who are we? If we've been made in God's image, if we've been called by His Son, if we've been made alive by His Spirit, who are we? And the Scriptures tell us that we are pilgrims on a journey. He uses that fancy term sojourners, strangers, those passing through. The Scriptures define for us, because God defines for us who we are, and this is plainly who they call us to be. Folks passing through. Folks in search of something else. Folks living for the sake of another reality, a better reality. We are pilgrims, sojourners, strangers. Therefore, we ought not think it odd that we are odd, that we're a bit out of place. I, I say the Hebrews writer sometimes take cheap shots. I know I sometimes can take some cheap shots at you because you've not, this is not the first time you've heard me say it. We're all weird. You're weird. I'm weird. We're different. God has wired us differently. And He's using us for different purposes. But in the scheme of the world, the church is expected to be a bit weird, a bit odd, a bit different, a bit standoutish. And we ought not think it odd to be odd because we are pilgrims in search of a homeland. Which raises the question then, which sort of also answers the question for us, well, where are we? If we're pilgrims, what is this place? The scriptures tell us that we are living as in a foreign land, that there are others about and among us, that there are powers of this world, that if we're not careful, we forget and ignore to our peril. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, Enemy occupied territory. That's what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you are really listening in to the secret wireless from our friends. The Hebrews writer will 
go on to say, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we are called to run the race with endurance. Lewis said that we gather together as the people of God to hear from God, to hear from he who is beyond, he who is in our homeland. And he'll go on to say that's why the devil is always working so hard trying to keep us from church. Oh, you don't need that. Those people are weird. Well, newsflash, you're weird too. You don't need that. They don't do it the right way. You don't need that. It's too early. You don't need that. You've got other things you could be doing. All the while, the devil is sabotaging us who are to be, in reality, sabotaging his plans and his schemes. And so what is this life? If we're in enemy-occupied territory, living as foreigners, what is this life? What is the life to which we are called to live? All throughout the scriptures, God uses a variety of of related or synonymous terms to describe what he desires for us. He calls it the way or the path, the walk. You might say the journey to the life that is to come. You'll remember all the way back in the Old Testament, Yahweh's call to Abram. It was put quite simply. Not only did he say, pack your bags and leave your family in your homeland and I will show you where we're going, but he put it even more basically and more foundationally. He said, walk before me. Let me see how you walk. You'll remember Jesus' call to his disciples very simply two words follow me. This life is a path, it is a way, it is a walk, a journey. We're part of an epic story. Living as pilgrims in the midst of enemy-occupied territory, trying faithfully with all that we have to follow our King, though we can't see Him. And so in this life, we walk with a holy detachment as journeymen. It's not that this life doesn't matter. Nor is it that we should be disinterested in this world. For as the hymnist declared, according to the plain reading of Scripture, this is my Father's world. This is His place. It has been overtaken by the enemy. But we live this life and walk through this pilgrim land with an eye on the end. An eye set on our destination, 
our destiny, if you will. Again, going back to C.S. Lewis, Tom, you get a, a twofer today. As Lewis put both plainly and cleverly, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I know he said neither because what's the old joke? Englishman and an Irishman were debating how you pronounce neither or neither. And the Englishman was saying, oh, it's neither. And the Irishman was saying, no, 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 it's neither. And they couldn't settle it amongst themselves. And so they asked their buddy, the Scottishman, and he said, oh, it's neither. Well, Lewis was an Irishman living in England. So he just said neither. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. You'll miss it all. Because your eyes were fixed too closely. Too much on the ground. Too much on your surroundings. Too much on what lies immediately ahead. And not on the end prize for which we're called. And so where are we heading? We're pilgrims living in enemy-occupied territory, being called along the path on a journey, and we're headed to the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, to the rest, as the Hebrews writer will say, that is prepared for us. There remains yet a rest for the people of God In sum, that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. It is a letter of encouragement and challenge and strength and a call to arms and a call to awareness and a call to faithfulness to people who are living as pilgrims in a land that is not their own. Who are searching for a city, as the Hebrews writer will say, whose builder and maker is God. A city whose, whose foundations have been formed by heavenly hands. I love the passage in chapter 11 when the Hebrews writer says, These are people, these people of faith, these people who have traversed the journey before us. They are people for whom the world is not worthy. So heaven is our home. Therefore, we ought not be surprised by a bit of homesickness. That pull in your gut for something more than this. Maybe you can't even quite put your finger on it. Maybe you can't even quite get your head around it. That's good. You don't want a reality that you can get your head completely around. If heaven is our home, don't be surprised by that draw for something more, something bigger, something more lasting, something more precious, something more costly than anything your mind has been able to imagine in life. 
that deep and abiding hunger for real and lasting joy, for real and lasting otherworldly peace. Those reminders that there is hope in the midst of hopelessness, that there is joy in the midst of sorrow and angst. They're like marks on the map telling us we're headed in the right direction if we will keep pressing forward. So as we journey to the heavenly city, as we set our GPSs toward the rest that is prepared for us, the question that is left to be asked is how will we get there? How are we to make it? How do we get onto that path? How do we make sure that we're faithful to that journey and we go through the way established for us? For Jesus, our great high priest and our good shepherd, He has made a way. He has cleared a path for us to trek. And he calls back to us saying, come on boys. Forget about packing your bags. It's time to go. It's time to head on. It's time to press on further up and further in. There's no time to stop. No time to rest. Because there's a rest that awaits you that your mind can't even fathom. Jesus, our high priest, forever lives to make intercession for us. He has made the way and He is pleading for us. Charles Wesley in one of his great hymns said that the wounds of Christ stand in the presence of the Father and they plead for us. Jesus, your high priest, who gave himself for you, not some mere passing sacrifice, is interceding for you. He has made a way for you. And the good news is that he is a high priest, the writer of Hebrews says, who is able to sympathize with you. He knows your plight. He knows how hard the journey is. He knows the fears. He knows the dangers. He knows the disappointments. He knows the letdowns of those who you expected to be right there with you and aren't. Those who've wandered off the path. Those who've fallen behind. He was one who was abandoned. He was one who was rejected. And our high priest is able to give sympathy because he knows. He has felt our temptations. He knows the power and the draw of sin intimately. 
and he stands as our example, our guide, the one who has trekked the path before us, has come back along the path, telling us, come on, you can follow me. I've been there. I know the way. I am the way. His holiness and his faithfulness provide an example for us to follow as we make our way along the journey. He is our companion. He doesn't just go all out ahead of us. He, through his Holy Spirit, is also with us, even in us, pushing us, drawing us, moving us, calling us. He journeys the path with us. Even when we feel alone, even when we feel like we're the only ones, even when we feel like there's no one else, no one else is faithful, no one else is making this journey, no one cares as much as I do, no one is headed in the same direction. Jesus is the good shepherd who is always with his sheep. And twist of all twists. Talk about taking the plot line and turning it upside down and turning it on its head. He is the shepherd who cares for his sheep, not for his own benefit, but for theirs. Who says, I'm raising these sheep not so that I might eat them and wear them, but so that they might eat me and wear my righteousness. He is the high priest who enters into the holiest to make sacrifice, to offer blood and flesh before God. But it is His own blood and His own flesh that He offers. Not the blood and flesh of some innocent lamb, but the blood and flesh of the innocent lamb. The spotless one. The one who hung the moon and the stars. The one who breathed into us his very breath of life gives his life for ours. And so this one who has made a way for us has also established for us the way to get on that way. The way to enter into the path. The way to make our way along the journey. He shows us His way in the Scriptures. They serve almost like our road map. They tell us where to be going, where to turn, where to press straight, where to bear slight left. They direct our paths, for they are His word to us, His instructions for our lives. He has made us, and He has not left us 
without instruction of how we are to live as his people. And so he gives us the scriptures, and that's one of the reasons why the Hebrews writer in this passage we've read this morning is so adamant that we grow up and that we man up and that we become people of the word because without it, we are weak and helpless and we can do nothing. And so God has laid before us the trough of his word and has invited us to come and to feast and to fill our bellies. We would be fools to be wandering out along a journey of a thousand miles without a road map, without any sense of direction, without any sense of compass. And so the scriptures are given to us as God calls us further up and further in. We must be diligent to study the map, diligent to hear God's voice calling us through His Word. Along that journey, He invites us to feast on Him along the way. Feast not just on His written Word, but feast on the eternal and living Word, the Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us so that He could offer His flesh to us. He invites us to His table, reminding us you've got a journey ahead. You're different. You're not like the world. You're a different people, a pilgrim people. You're on a journey. You're headed to the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. You have rest that is to come. Now is not time to rest, but now is time to feast along the journey. Before you hit the road, and as you are on the road, Feast on me as often as you would, Jesus said to his disciples. We must prepare for the journey ahead. For those who are weak won't make it. That's part of the sad news of the letter to the Hebrews is that there are some who go a different way. Some who say, that Christian life's not really my cup of tea. The journey is hard. The path, Jesus said, is narrow. The way is treacherous. We are surrounded by enemies. We are surrounded by dangers. And we make our way as humble pilgrims along a dangerous road. So we must prepare.
for those who are unprepared or those who are ill-prepared won't make it. Consider this, both a warning and an invitation. The Christian life is not for the faint at heart. There's nowhere else, however, worth going. Only the heavenly city will suffice. This journey of faith, as the people of God, this is the way of life. This is the way to joy. This is the way to peace. But it's a journey. Lindsay and Andrew are going to come forward and not lead us in a song but play and sing a song for us to sit and reflect and allow God to search us and say, Lord, am I ready for the journey? And as we invite you to the table thereafter, come if you are ready for the hard way that is ahead. He invites us to come. Let us pray.